Thank you. Uh, hello, I'm Niall Jackson. Uh, I'm a medical student here. Um, I'm married to my wife, Charlie. She's repping the text tonight. Uh, everyone make her feel embarrassed. Yeah, great. Um, my mother preached at the 10.30, so uh, if any of you were there, you've got a double Jackson. Um, uh, the teeth, nose, and sarcasm are all genetic. Um, so I'm excited about this series. Um, we've, we're consolidating our values, our identity as a community, as a gathering. And we're doing it because of our 2020 vision, Pioneer. How are we going to pioneer in the year 2020? And if you want to know our values, they are all written in this leaflet thing, um, which is beautiful. Uh, so if you want to know about our values, come to the series, read that. But can anyone shout out the values that we've already had? Hopefully. Authenticity. Courageous. Humility. Thankfulness. Have we have Oh, we have one more that I didn't hear. That Pete preached on. <laughs> He's here, come on! <laughs> Trusting God. Yes, I heard it from several places. Great. It was wonderful, Pete, and I loved it, and I took it home, so it's great. Um, each week comes with its own challenges. God is calling us forward as a family. He's calling us to a higher standard. I would challenge you to ask God, what do you have for me tonight? It's very easy to feel like we've heard talks on things like generosity or courage or authenticity before and just feel like I've done this. But you escape, you miss out on the thing that God is pinning down in your life right now. Each week is an opportunity for God to speak into our lives. Every week we have the opportunity to make a step change, to turn and repent from sin and turn towards Jesus. So I'll pray and then we'll begin. Lord, I pray you'd bring us peace and that you'd shape our hearts by your Spirit. Make us more like you. Amen. So today we're talking about generosity. So we were made through generosity. We were saved through generosity and we can live in generosity. God calls us to be generous. So I want to go all the way back. Before us, before Cambridge, before guitars and drums, before Brexit, before Twitter, before creation. God is there, hanging about. It's just him. Now, God, you may have heard, comes in three bits. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a trinity, so there are three bits, but one whole. He's triune, that's what that means, that he's three bits, but in one whole. Now, this guy called Richard... Richard lived in the 12th century, Richard of St. Victor, and he was defending the idea of the Trinity. So the Trinity was a bit of a controversial idea initially, and he was saying why it was essential to be that God was Trinity. He said, well, if God is love, like the Bible says he is, then he has to be in community. He has to be Trinity. So if God has existed for all of eternity and has always been love, then that would have been impossible if God was just one person. So stay with me. There is a link towards generosity and our values. So either he wasn't loving because he didn't have anything to love, if it was just him and all of eternity and we hadn't been created, it was just him, or he was just really narcissistic and he loved himself. It would make the act of creation a completely self-interested, self-glorifying act. 
If God wasn't the Trinity, he would have been creating us just for himself, for self-glorification, for self-interest. But what this guy Richard said was that instead, as the Trinity, God has always been love. Father loves the Son, who loves the Spirit, who loves the Son, who loves the Father, who loves the Spirit. And it just goes round and round and round. They're in this eternal cycle of worship and love and creativity. Then out of that self-sufficient community, that they were totally fine on their own, they've been existing for the whole of eternity, and they were totally fine. Out of generosity, they created us. They didn't have to. The Trinity was totally fine on its own, and yet they created us. It's pretty cool that God created you deliberately out of generosity. Say to your neighbor, God deliberately created you. A few more smiles, a few more enthusiasm. God deliberately created you. Brilliant, great. Cool, we're all on the same train now. It's going to be fun. I'm enthusiastic, I'm gesticulating. It's going to be fun. But that's not the end of the story. Creation wasn't where his generosity ended. He saw us go wrong. He saw his creation get muddled and say, cheers for creating us, but actually we're fine without you. The triune God, fully self-sufficient, fully at peace, gave himself, not for his gain, but for ours. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not die, but have eternal life. That's generosity. Jesus leaving the place where he was totally at peace, totally satisfied, generously giving himself for us, taking our place, taking our ransom, so we could have eternal life with God. That's the core value that we're talking about tonight. Innate, sacrificial, life-foregoing generosity. But God didn't give so he would receive. He didn't need us in the same way we can frame generosity in our own lives. Do you give to people but feel like they owe you something in return? Do you give feeling like you're owed something? Is that what we see demonstrated by God? Now, I often think about generosity in terms of the church toilets. Now, so stay with that. I do actually have this thought. So the church toilets are something where people come into our home, this family's home, and every detail about this building says, I love you, and God accepts you, and God wants you to be here. And the church toilets are a part of that. Now, you as a member of this family, you can go into the toilets and maybe you don't find it exactly as you would want to find it. And I won't describe that any more vividly than you need. (laughs) Okay, so maybe maybe you could say, okay, maybe I can tidy the toilet rolls that are all over the place, or maybe the soap dispenser's fallen off, or maybe there's a big pool of water underneath the hand dryer, and maybe you can do something about that. Or maybe there's something even more uncomfortable that you could do. Who knows? But there's no recognition. There's no extensive book deal about you, God, and the toilet brush. It's just you in a room. And no one sees that. Only God sees that. That's generosity. 
The spirit of generosity is saying, what can I give? It's not about what can I receive because of that. And that concept starts here. It starts alone in the church toilets, and it extends to our entire lives. It extends to serving on teams, or being generous to the people around us in our Barnabas communities or beyond. The people who made the coffees tonight, most, most of us probably don't know who made the coffees tonight, to be honest, but they made their lives, our lives, a little bit better for nothing in return. <laughs> Generosity is not first and foremost about money. We're going to get to money, but it's not first and foremost about money. You know, how much money did Jesus have? But how generous was he? Generosity is about service. It's about sacrifice. Are you prepared to give without seeing anything in return? So generosity is worked out in community. There needs to be people that you can serve to be generous to, just like God had that trinity to be generous with. Turn with me to Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. It's on page 1094. Um, I seem to always get this passage out. Maybe it's just one I love. I don't know. Anyway, um, this passage is about the Christian community just after Pentecost. Pentecost was when, so Jesus had ascended into heaven and they waited around and Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Spirit. And Pentecost is when the Spirit comes. And so this verse is after that. And the early church is fresh-faced and enthusiastic. And by the way, if you're still unsure about what a Barnabas community looks like, this is what it looks like. If you're new to this church and you're like, why do people keep on talking about this? It's because of this. This is what we're trying to replicate. Okay, so Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. At the core of Christian community is generosity to the people around us, in our Barnabas community and beyond. Just as in the core of the Trinity there is generosity, so in the core of our communities there's generosity. That's why our community gets to be more than a Wednesday Bible study and saying hi and goodbye. It gets to be real. We're so fortunate to have people around us who want to be real with each other. You get to be real with your struggles. Real community is about sacrifice for one another. Real community is about being generous to one another. How generous with your life are you to the people around you in your Barnabas community and beyond? Charlie and I had to move out of our house in June um, the landlord was selling the house. Um, conveniently, we were going to South Africa for two months, straight after moving out, so we ended up saving uh, two months of rent. Uh, hashtag, thanks for your generosity, God. Uh, and then anyway, our plan was that we'd come back in August, live with my parents for a bit, and then find somewhere. But we'd have to find somewhere that had a short contract because 
um, because it, when I become, or yeah, hopefully when I become a doctor in August, that will be less than a year, so we might have to have a short contract if we have to move. Um, don't get sick in August. Uh, that's when I qualify. It'll be fine. Um, anyway, uh, members of our community, uh, Dave and Clara, had been praying about how to use their house. Through various circumstances, they ended up, I can, they've told me that I'm allowed to share this. Uh, throughout ver various circumstances, they ended up buying a lovely four-bedroom house that basically they wouldn't have been able to afford with their salaries, but through generosity of their family, they've been able to buy it. And they were praying, what can we do with this house? And how can our community, neighborly, that's the community we're part of, um, yeah, a little groan there, that's fine. Uh, they, were, they were praying, how can we have our neighborly, uh, our community, more represent that Acts 2 community? How can we be more like those people who shared their possessions or shared and gave to people in need? And so they thought, they ended up offering us to live with them in their house. So we've been living with them for uh, two months now. Uh, no one's killed each other, which is good. Uh, and then we've been living with them and... We were in need, and our community has come through for us. Their generosity has helped us live. Um, and that chain of generosity, sorry, I lost my place completely. Now that, that chain of generosity doesn't end, because now because Charlie and I are living almost rent-free, and so now we can give more and be more generous and be those people that can be generous to our community and around those people around us. Now, I wanted to share that story because I think it illustrates that life-altering generosity is real. Life-altering generosity is real, it's possible, and it's fruitful. Us living in their house has been difficult for everyone. It's been costly for them. They have less space, they have less time to themselves. They have people messing up their kitchen. But it's been exciting, and it's been an adventure. Admittedly, it's an adventure that hasn't finished yet, so who knows what will end up. Maybe it'll all end in tears. I don't know. Um, hopefully not. Uh, but that's not to say that you can only be generous if you've been kind of wildly middle class and you've been given a house and it's all wonderful. What has God put in your hands? Dave and Clara said, we've got this amazing house. What can we do with it? What's God put in your hands? So what about the money? Isn't the generosity talk the give the church all your money talk? We've spoken about God's generosity, our generosity in service, and how generosity is expressed in our communities to one another. But now let's turn to concentrate about money. Money is an asset that we have. Some people have more money than other people. Some people have more time than other people. But what I find compelling about talking about generosity and about giving with money is that I feel the argument, there's loads of arguments about why we should give money to the church or other people and like read a book. It's, there, there's amazing uh, reasons to do it. But what I want to concentrate today is that committing with our money is a way of committing to the causes and convictions we have and God's given in our hearts. If we want to see God's kingdom come, then we have to be generous with our money, with our time, and with our prayer. We can't expect it to happen on someone else's watch. 
It says in 2 Corinthians 9, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your supply of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, I know I've read a huge part of, like it felt kind of unnecessary to read that all, but I wanted to, to get the whole picture of it. And it's great reading the Bible because people in history have been generous to us by dying so that we can read it in our own language. We get to hold these books because of the generosity of hundreds of years of Christians. Dying so that we can read it every morning. Our generosity is part of a commitment to God's kingdom. If we sow generously, giving up our own time, our own money for the kingdom cause, then we will reap generously. We won't necessarily reap financially. But in verse 11 it says, our generosity will result in the thanksgiving to God. If you want to see the mission of St. Barnabas bear fruit, we've got to commit to being generous. Generous with our time, generous with our prayer, and generous with our money. That all feels like quite a high bar, and it feels like a lot of got-tos. But take this with you. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. Just like the generosity of God, starting in that completely self-sufficient place, that completely secure position of the Trinity, our generosity also starts from that place. God is our provider, God will give us the things we need. He will enrich us in every way. Not if we are generous, not conditional on our generosity, but in order that we get to be generous, in order that we can be generous because of his provision. Now, when you give blood, like you're a blood donor, uh, it's a bit of an inconvenience, but it doesn't really alter your life. You can give a pint of blood that you don't need, and then a a day, day or two later, then you're just back to your normal self. You literally regrow what you gave. But you're not giving your blood in order to regrow and get that extra pint. You gave because you had excess that you could give away. Now that sort of giving should be encouraged. You're called to a generous life, and if you have excess, you should give to the people who don't have excess. You can give, you get to give. That's what God's put in your hands. But there's another type of generosity that sacrificial generosity that Jesus demonstrates to us. To go with the blood donation analogy, it's a bit like kidney donation. So 
when you transplant a kidney, the person who gets the kidney, you need to match the kidney with the person. So they find this person that has the only kidney that can go in this other person. And those people are matched. And that person gives up their healthy kidney for, um, for this person who needs, doesn't have any working kidneys. So that person who gives the kidney takes on an inherent risk. So they're healthy, they're fine, they don't need to do anything. But they undergo an unnecessary operation, they have to have general anesthetic, and they get a kidney cut out of them. And then they also are at higher risk, because they've only got one kidney. So if that kidney goes wrong, then they're more, you know, they, they'll need another ki kidney, they don't have a spare kidney. Now, I'm not saying that we should all give away our kidneys. Don't do that. Don't sell your kidney. Please don't sell your kidney. Um, you know, so PSA, don't sell your kidney. Uh, but some of us, or all of us, are called to that sacrificial generosity, that life-altering, life-foregoing generosity that we have to pick up our cross, that we're called to live for the other people, that God's generosity isn't like an evening thing where maybe you, the excess gets given to the non-excess and then we're all equal. Actually, we're choosing that the other person would be ahead of us. Um, one of my friends, he was my best man, and we were, um, we had our, like, they were my groomsmen, but it was like our bunch of friends, and we were playing the game Ticket to Ride, and we had a, um, a table, and some of us were sitting that side, and some of us were um, sitting this side, uh, and then we were setting them up, and I automatically set the board up so that all the place names were, I could see them. And then, so me and him were sitting there, and the other guys hadn't come, and he was like, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And I was like, ha! And then didn't change anything. It was like, no, really. We're choosing the other people. We need to turn it around. This is so trivial, an example. But we're changing it around so that we would choose to be less and the other people would choose to have an easier life. I know that's trivial, but that's sort of the, the spirit of the whole thing. It's saying, I want to read the stuff upside down so that they can have an easier time. Maybe you've never given and you want to start committing your financial security to God. Maybe you give now and then, maybe at the end of the month, if you have enough money, but sometimes it doesn't happen, and you want to start giving at the start of the month, saying, Lord, take this before anything else. Or maybe you're in that position of, you know, that spare room in your house, or that thing you never use, that guitar you never use, that you want to give to someone else. Maybe it's that, that sacrificial giving. God calls us to be generous, but in the context of his loving, secure faithfulness as a loving father. He's, a, he's not a tax collector, but he's a loving father. He's asking us to partner with him in his generous mission to the world. So I'm going to leave it there, but talk to your neighbor about maybe what God's put in your hand. What do you feel as I've been speaking? What's that thing that came to your mind that you want to give away or that person in your life that's in need that you can help? So those are the two questions. Talk amongst yourselves before Annie comes up. Great.